Welcome to Money with Alpha, where I share simple tips for how to make, save and invest money while also connecting your values with your lifestyle so you can achieve the life you really want. You will also hear interviews from real people as they share the ups and downs of their money journey. After all, we are all on a journey and what better way to learn about money than to hear what hasn't and has worked. Hi and welcome to this week's episode of Money with Alpha. Today I'm going to talk about something that's a topic very close to my heart and that's habits. Um, I've, I became obsessed with habits probably only about a year ago. The, the concept of psychology has always fascinated me about humans and what makes us tick and why we do the things we do and habits as a way to really dive into that. And it's something that I've watched a lot when dealing with, with various clients and just watching people in general when it comes to money. So in this episode, I want to talk about the five money habits to build wealth in your 30s and 40s. Now, these do apply to pretty much any time of your life, but in your 30s and 40s is when you start to really <laughs> look at them. Um, and I know from personal experience, and I see it quite a lot as well, and it's when you have the most ability to influence your financial future too. That's not to say you can't do these things in your 50s. You absolutely can. And basically, anytime you can at least do something to improve your financial position, the better. But when you're in your 30s and 40s is when you really have the, the financial capacity and the, the desire to do something about it. So I'll just quickly run through the five, um, five money habits. The first one is get clear on your vision or purpose. Number two is watch your money monthly or regularly. Number three, streamline your spending. Number four is use savings instead of credit. And number five is invest on a monthly or quarterly basis. So I'll go, I'll go through each of these, but and I've written some notes to make sure that I don't forget things. So if I'm looking off to the side, I'm just reading my notes. Um, but it's because it's really, really important. First of all, I wanted to tackle what actually are habits. There's so much out there. There's James Clear's Atomic Habits, which is my personal favorite. I've read other books on habits and some of them are a bit too studies based and too theoretical um, and others are a little abstract and I just I really love how James Clear explains it and I actually had I, I worked in a lot in this way so that when he wrote it, I was like oh my goodness this is my language <laughs> so but it's very much about if you think of you think of all of it if you can picture a brain and you see all the the, the canals in it and sort of like the canyons kind of like that that make up what our brain looks like and there's neural pathways that fire in there as well. And if we do something often enough, and you can think of this also like a, a road, we drive on the same road over and over again, you're going to get a dint, something that shows the pathway of that. And that's how our brains then work with habits. It then becomes to the point where we don't have to consciously think about the things we do. And they're repeated thoughts and repeated behaviors that creates these, these roads and these pathways in our in our mind our brains and and that's what then gives us the ability to live life a lot more effectively and efficiently done in the right way and using the right habits and quite often when it comes to money because we're not taught about money either for personal finances and certainly not for running a business how do we even know that we're we're doing the right habits you know we can we can you know know our numbers and we can look at things but unless we're actually habitually doing certain things it's just not, it's just never going to really progress anywhere. We're just going to feel a bit stuck. And so each of these habits I'm going to go through now is a pathway to helping you do something on a regular basis that will get you back in touch with where you need to be financially. And you'll start to make 
progress um, because energetically when we feel stuck and we're we're just repeating the same things over and over again and we get the same results over and over again we can sometimes get very disheartened and even to the point of being demoralized and we want to move beyond that um, but sometimes you need a bit of a, a break in state to do that so that's what I'm going to do today so the first one that I talked about was getting clear on your vision and purpose. And if, if you've listened to, to my podcast episodes before and seen anything that I've done, I am relentless when it comes to clarity. I think it is one of the most overlooked things because it's hard to do. <laughs> it's not, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy because we have so much information and so much influence and so many things thrown at us um, that we're not really sure what it is that we actually want, which makes decision making, particularly when it comes to money, very challenging. So I see indecision quite a lot. You're like, I don't know what to do or constantly questioning decisions because they're like, oh, should I have done that? Was that really the right decision? Oh my gosh, well, I'm not I'm not sure. So I'm just not going to do anything. And then you, before you know it, 10 years have passed. You're like, I probably should have done something back then, but I just didn't know what to do. And that just keeps that inertia and, and we don't end up progressing because we just stay stuck. So half the time it's because we just don't know. We Sometimes it's too much information or not enough or not enough of the right information and we just get stuck. Now there's the financial knowledge, but then there's also the lifestyle vision. Um, and I do actually have a guide meditation, which um, I can put the link to in the show notes if you if you want a guided meditation for this. But you can do it yourself too. Sometimes it takes a bit of brainstorming. It might be with your partner, depending on if your partner is that way inclined as well. Um, and so it might be with a friend. You're just like, I just, I just need to try and figure this out. Like, what, what am I actually doing all this for? And there's a certain existential crisis that kind of goes with this. I know that that really happened to me when I was sort of in my, my late 30s, early 40s. I'd had my daughter. I was like, what on earth am I doing? How did I get to this age? And, and I was happy with my life. Um, but it was just, there was a certain lack of purpose and, um, and impact or meaning. And which I was, I had been trying to figure out before I had my daughter and had absolutely no idea, but the, the desire or the motivation behind it just amplified exponentially once I'd had my daughter. So I was like, I have this little little creature in my my care and I want to be a good role model. And I also want to be able to do more than just, I mean, I love being a mom, but I didn't want to just be a mom. And I wanted to be able to have an impact. I wanted to help improve people's lives um, because I love sharing. And I, I you know, I, I, yeah, anyway, it's, it's, it's one of my passions. So how to do that became the, the, the challenge. And money sort of seemed at the time uh, a somewhat obvious choice for me, even though it's not necessarily an easy one because a lot of people avoid money. Um, but nevertheless, it's still important. So that's what I'm doing here is helping give you some an addition, additional information and inspiration and ideas to help you become unstuck. So understanding what lifestyle you actually want. Do you want the big house? Do you want the fancy car? Do you want the chef and the nanny and the housekeeper and the, or the cleaner? And do you want to go on big holidays? Or are you happy just camping um, and having a small house and living in the country and, you know, having a veggie patch? And what is it that you want? Rather than I had a, I had a friend once who bought this beautiful big house, um, but then didn't have a garden to to be able to grow vegetables and I was like well you could do some stuff in pots 
<laughs> it's not quite the same. And you could you could kind of do, but then they didn't have the place because the house took up a large footprint of the actual land. So there wasn't even really a place for a garden. And that that just sort of put a dampener on the whole thing. <laughs> so it's you've got to really be clear on what it is that you actually want um, before, because otherwise the decision-making process becomes really difficult and challenging. And then to revisit this, because it's not you're not going to get it right the first time either. Just to start with, it might just be random ideas written down. It might be a bit of a vision board if you want to do it visually, or you might have some words and and just start to kind of construct it and see what it looks like and then revisit it and revisit it. And as you plant seeds of that and you start to grow and develop and think, then that will grow and develop with you as well. So it's important to revisit this. You can put it in your calendar. For a lot of these, I find you're actually putting them in your calendar. So I, I revisit mine every six months and I, I sort of time it when I revisit my, when I look at my goals and my my plans and everything like that. And I sort of do like an annual planning and a mid-year plan planning process as well. So I kind of replicate that every six months. And the vision is part of it. So it just becomes part of my routine and my habit now. It's a ritual. <laughs> So number two, habit two, is to watch your money on a monthly basis. Now, I've got some clients who do on a – they they used to do it on a daily basis, found that a little over the top, which I totally get, um, and they'd like to do it on a weekly basis. I personally prefer monthly just because I feel like weekly is just, you know, like the weeks just go too quickly, uh, and I, I haven't managed to to assign a time. I can I can do it in a month but assigning the time weekly. So that doesn't work for me, but it might work for you, for example. So if you're finding monthly too overwhelming, then you might want to switch to either fortnightly or weekly. And it's just being aware of what money's coming in and what money's going out. Like what are the balances doing? Um, are things growing or shrinking? And if you they are shrinking, is there a reason for that? You know, there, there might be a valid reason too, but unless you sort of look at it, you don't know. Um, and this is not something that you can outsource. <laughs> Quite often, especially with business finances, people are like, oh, my accountant does that. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? Because they don't generally help you manage your cash flow. They'll give you a cash flow statement, which is more like a profit and loss statement that, that feeds into a tax return. Um, and then they'll be doing your business activity statement or your your whatever your um, regulatory compliance requirements are. But they're not really, they're using the cash flow or the budgeting information as an input to what they do. They don't necessarily look at it as an output, which is what you need in order to know where your money's going. So you can't, and you can't outsource this to a partner. I know it's very tempting too, especially if it's their zone of genius, but you need to be aware of your financial situation and what your capability and capacities are. So it's, it is, it is important and it's knowledge is power. So that, that's that. So then comes habit number three, which is to streamline your spending. So this is, I'm going to use the B word, budget. Um, I cringe as well. So if you cringed, I'm right there with you. I don't really like the word budget. Uh, I actually call it cash flow management because it sounds better. It's essentially the same thing though. And I do run it in a spreadsheet and I'm a, and I'm a numbers person. So I do, I do actually quite like the process. It does get a little monotonous sometimes when you're doing it every month. Um, but after a while, it just becomes quite habitual. <laughs> so it's it's really easy. And to be honest, a lot of the a lot of the spending side of things is pretty steady. The thing that alters a lot in a business is the income. So it's actually easier to manage your spending than it is the income side. Um, because I, I I don't know if this you can relate to this or not, but I at one point had about three different applications that helped me do video editing. 
And I actually was on a masterclass yesterday, which um, told me of another one. And I was just like, okay, this is like shiny object syndrome because this one does this and this one does that. But ultimately they all pretty much do the same thing that I need. So I have to figure out which one app <laughs> I'm going to pay for that can do all the things that I pretty much need from a video editing software. So rather than, because I, I had a couple going and now just I've had to streamline. Your insurances are something that you can also work on streamlining too, whether it's the actual premium, which every year I call up my insurance company. And this is more for my household insurances because for business insurances, I have a broker and my broker does the negotiating for me. But for personal like household type things like your car, your home, your contents, um, I think that's pretty much it. And if you've got anything else that you insure, then um, I actually call up the insurance company and I was like, okay, so what can you do for me this year? And, and I don't talk to the same person, obviously, but they, it's amazing what they can do. And when you ask, they're just able to do it. And they're just, it's almost like they're waiting for you to ask, but we don't know to ask because we don't think it's possible. Um, and we also don't want to hear no, but if we don't ask, we don't know. And the worst that happens is no, then you hang up the phone and you go on with your day. Um, but you, last time I did this, I saved $733 and I was on the phone for just over half an hour. So that's pretty good. Um, so insurances is one way you can really save quite a lot. Um, even home interest rates. I was actually talking to somebody today that said that they contacted their bank about renegotiating their interest rate for their home loan and they sent them a form and bingo, it, you know, a couple of weeks later it was done. So, wow. Okay. <laughs> So that actually surprised me. But yeah, so again, you don't you don't ask, you don't know. So it's really well worth asking. So then habit four becomes how do you use savings instead of credit? So we live in a very immediate gratification society. Everything is available instantly at the click of a button. We've got these little computers in our pockets and we can order anything we like. Um, the, you know, the amount it's, it's really real. And there's so much information out there as well. Um, but it's just, it, it becomes a bit mind numbing that the amount of ways that you can get into debt. <laughs> um, and it's just become easier and easier to do that as well. So being, getting used to saving, I, I remember years ago, um, I was really into photography at the time. And there was this particular um, SLR, digital SLR that I wanted. It was full frame. Um, it was a Canon 5D, if you anybody knows anything about cameras. And it, so it wasn't cheap. It was the camera camera kit. It was about $5,000. And I'd saved, excuse me, I'd saved up for this. And when I walked into the camera shop and I'd managed to negotiate a little bit because I'd done a bit of price shopping around. So I'd saved a few hundred dollars in the, in the process. But I walked in and I bought that camera and it was so satisfying, not just the fact of having the camera, but the fact that I'd saved for it and I was paying. I mean, I had to use a credit card to pay for it, but I had the money to pay it off straight away. Like it was, it felt so nice. And it's something that I don't think we get that feeling much anymore because everything just goes on a card, that things build and build and we get used to perhaps not paying it off every month or, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, we, we lose that ability to have the anticipation and the excitement of waiting for something and then finally getting it and going, yay, this is exciting. I've earned this and I've worked hard for it and now I've got it. Um, so start to get used to saving for things. Like I even did this with, with my latest car. The previous car was 20 plus years old and I knew that it was going to start to, to fall apart or at least become very expensive to repair. So I spent two, I calculated how long I needed to save up the amount that I, I knew I wanted to pay for a car. And so two years and did all the, you know, did all the shopping around and the negotiating with the dealership, 
you know, I didn't tell them I was going to pay cash because uh, a friend of mine who's, who's part, whose husband works in, in that industry said, don't tell them you're paying cash because they won't give you as good a deal. So we didn't actively promote the fact that we were going to be, you know, getting finance, but we also didn't sort of take away. And because it's the norm, they just assumed that we were going to like finance the car. And so I was like, okay. And so when it came down to the number, I was like, great, where, when can we bring the money? And the guy just looked at me and I was like, yeah, well, we'll bring, is it check? Is a check okay? Bank check? And so I went into the bank, got the bank check, came down, gave the guy and he was gobsmacked. Like he just, he was trying really hard not to show it, but he was, he was surprised because I don't think many people come in and pay cash for a car. <laughs> Admittedly, it's not a fancy car. Like we just have a, you know, just a standard sedan. Um, but it was, it felt really gratifying and satisfying to be able to do that. Um, the key then became to make sure that the amount we'd been saving for the car over the last two years then got put somewhere else. Otherwise you get used to having that money and it's like a handbag, the bigger it gets, the more you put in it and the more money you then have, it just disappears unless it's earmarked for something. So that became the next habit we had to get back into is actually continuing to save, but this time it wasn't for a car, it had to be for something else. So, but just get into the habit of saving for things rather than putting it on credit. And you'll find that your treatment of money, you start to have a different sense of self when it comes to it and your identity around money starts to change. And then the way money kind of it treats you in a way, I know that sounds weird, but the energy around it flows easier. So it's like, okay, they she really knows what she's doing and she really values values money. So we're gonna make sure that we, you know, we we help her in that in that as well. So it just it's it's that reciprocal energy and how it works. So it just, it's, yeah, it, it, it really does work that way. I've experienced it myself and I don't even really know how to explain it, but it is. And then the fifth and final habit is to invest on a either monthly or quarterly basis. I tend to put money aside monthly and then once a quarter I'll go in and I'll buy. Um, I have a, a suite of index funds that I buy on a regular basis. I could automate that, but I found it difficult to kind of do it on a quarterly basis and, and shift it across the the that I invest in. And anyway, so I just, it's become something that I've just built into my habits now that I actually just do. But the main message here is consistency. Consistency gives you the benefit of compounding. Um, and over time, it just grows and grows. And it's really good. And then you also get dividends depending on which, which shares or which funds that you invest in and how you do it as well. Because sometimes it could be distribution, sometimes it could be um, dividends. But regardless to just do it. Micro-investing is another thing. So I I have, I, I top up my superannuation every month, um, which is my retirement fund account. I, which it comes, you know, I, I get a tax deduction for that. Then I micro-invest. I'll go into that in a bit more detail in a sec. And I invest in shares. So I'm doing all of that in parallel. Um, and it's, it's important to do that because without doing these things in parallel, and that's even if you've got a home loan and you're paying debt off, still need to be able to do these things even if it's just smaller amounts it's it's an important a it's part part of the sort of the energy and relationship you have with money but seeing stuff build is much more is very important rather than just reducing debt because otherwise you're just seeing contraction this is about expansion and wealth building so it's very important to do that as well now back to the micro investing i started uh, a micro investing account about six years ago now um, it was a bit of an experiment because I was like, oh, it's just, I just did roundups. So I, 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 I stayed, I stayed with roundups for just roundups for five years. So I would get a, sort of a, an, an email once every I don't know, week or so saying, oh, we've just invested $14 um, after we've you know, been collecting one and $2 and $3 here and there. 
And I was just like, oh, wow, okay, you're investing $14 something, yay, or $11 something, Ooh, okay, um, because I had to, to collect a certain amount. So I think there was like a minimum of $10 before they'd actually invest it. So they kind of collect it and then and then invest it. And it's all this particular model is pooled investments, which I won't go into the detail of. But regardless, it grew and it grew and grew and grew till it got to about $5,000. And it sort of was hovering at around that. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to just start to do some extra top-ups. So I set up an automated top-up of $10 a month, so nothing extraordinary. And within a year, I'd grown to $6,600. So an extra $1,600, and I'd put in an extra $120. And I was like, wow. And for the first half of that that, that extra year, um, the market had actually done pretty poorly. Um, it did better for the final six months, but ultimately the result was still really good. And that, that shows you the, the the time value of money invested over. If you look at charts, if you if you like visuals, the charts actually do show you that over time how the market grows and it's time in the market, uh, which is important. So just, just keep on doing it consistently. It's a bit like getting into the habit of saving, get into the habit of investing. If you have to automate it, do that. Um, and you, you don't have to do big amounts. Just do it, start it, continue it. And that's the most important thing. So that's that's really where, you know, let me see if I've missed anything. No, but they're the, they're the main habits of, that you can do, those five habits that will help you build wealth. And I'm just going to recap them. So the first one is habit one was to get clear on your lifestyle vision, your purpose, what you're actually doing in life and what you want. Number two is to watch your money on a monthly basis. Be aware of it. Knowledge is important. Number three is to streamline your spending. Look at where you can save money. Look at where you might be overspending or where you're duplicating spending. Just just have a look at it and then just do this on a maybe a quarterly basis for that. And then four, save instead of using credit. It's a really good habit to get into. And number five is invest on a regular basis, monthly or quarterly. Now, I am starting a program, a mini program called Money Habits Reset. If it's something you're interested in, I do have the wait list open at the moment. Uh, it will be launching very soon, um, but I'm just putting the final touches on it. So um, I thought I'm just going to start to share it with the world because I'm really excited about it. So if you'd like to go on the wait list, I've got the link in, in the show notes. And yeah, and it's going to be really exciting. We're going to delve into a lot of this in a bit more detail, a little bit more of the how, or go into a bit more of what I do and help you support you so that you can actually get yourself sorted so that your habits can support you building wealth. So I hope you found that helpful. And if you have any questions, please let me know. Enjoy the rest of your day.